0: Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest-working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's backbone. Welcome to episode 63. This is a special edition episode where we will be discussing race in theater, political correctness, and the whitewashing of certain productions. My special guests are... Alan H. Green, and Anne Harada.
1: I'm just going to say that, for, that I can only speak for myself and my own experience. I don't pretend to be the voice of the Asian American actors, you know, right. and I would certainly would not want to take that mantle on for like people of color, yeah. you know, oh, in general. Yeah, right. I'm just saying for me and for my experience, that's all, because I can't, I don't want to be like, yes, we all feel yeah. it. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakey Oh no, absolutely <laughs> not. So uh, I'm sitting here with Alan Green. Do you have an in- initial? I in- do. What is the al- Alan H. Green. Al H. Green mm-hmm. and Anne Harada. And I'm very excited because we're doing a podcast that's uh, discussing race and the whitewashing of musical theater. And it's a hot topic right now. And the two of you, I feel like, are uh, amazing people and performers, but also can talk about this in an educational way without... Getting so heated that um, people don't want to hear it. So, uh, but first, just because I'm going to have to stay on brand, as the kids say, <laughs> I will uh, read uh, your credits. So, uh, Ann Rada on Broadway, you were in Cinderella, Nine to Five, Les Miserables, Avenue Q, Susacole, Madame Butterfly, off Broadway recently. M
1: Butterfly.
0: Oh, M Butterfly, sorry. And it says <laughs> Get that it right Get It, it right says now. that right there. I wrote. <laughs> And butterfly. in
1: Butterfly is the opera, opera. Yeah. and Butterfly is the play.
0: Which is reviving right That's now. That's right. Yes. right, now. Very exciting.
1: I'm excited to see it, certainly.
0: And recently it was Pacific Overtures, uh-huh. Dear World and The Kid. Correct. Are there anything, there's, you have a bunch of TV credits too that are... I was on
1: per- Smash, I played the stage manager.
0: Oh, I do remember you on that. Yeah. yeah. Did I miss anything else that you... Love? Not that it
1: matters No that's right. fine You know <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: 27 Broadway shows Yes That's, I know, I know, yeah, that's no, plenty I
1: haven't done that many Broadway shows Not compared to Many of your guests Certainly Yes On the backbone mm-hmm. um, You know
0: only done six
1: Broadway shows. Only six. But I'm very proud of that.
0: Oh, yeah, you should absolutely. be. And I've seen you in probably five of them. Oh, yeah. I'm not and sure. so and I and I love you in all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just recently saw you in two of your Broadway shows, Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently you're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which mm-hmm. I saw. School of Rock, which I also saw recently. Sister Act, play on. Off Broadway, Happiness. I actually loved Happiness. Oh, so good. So good. So good. <laughs> the Radio City uh, Christmas Spectacular, and then the tours of Spelling Bee, Swing, and Smokey Joe's Cafe. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Did I miss anything that you. And,
2: I, and Miss Saigon in three countries and two languages. Really? Just
0: all over the place. Which languages? German and English. Wow. I think what I wanted to just also do is just briefly if you could each tell me where you're from and how you got started.
1: I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii. I just fell in love with the theater when I was about 12. Um, I saw the high school production of Godspell, and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. How could they be so good? It's so good. And two of the people had been nominated for Tony. Oh, wow. In (laughs) in that production of Godspell. Leilani Jones and Willie Falk. So I was like, well, okay, so maybe they were really good, <laughs> yeah. but still. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's very, I mean, that's very cool. And I just started doing theater when I got into high school and, you know, community theater. And then I went to Brown and I studied theater there and graduated and came to New York and became a production assistant. You know, yeah. the drill.
0: How old were you when you saw Godspell? Twelve. You were twelve? Yeah. Did you train as at that age as well?
1: No. Of course not. (laughs) No. No. I just did plays in school. Yeah. Like you do. And
0: Alan? I was uh, born in
2: Pittsburgh, raised in Houston, Texas. And I went to Rice University to be a lawyer on a football scholarship. And then ended up singing at this mega church. And then got a contemporary Christian music record deal. So I moved to Nashville. But then they wanted me to marry a woman. And Uh so I thought... If I'm gonna be speaking about God, I need to be truthful. About yeah, the truth is God to me. So, I, I didn't take the record deal. I randomly took a cruise ship job that sailed out of Florida for six months and then to New York for three months. And my fellow actors were doing auditions with the backstage,
3: the literal backstage <laughs> newspaper.
2: And so I set up an audition, and I thought, well, maybe this is a place I can be who I am and do what I think I love and. The first audition I did, I got offered the job at the audition and so wow. I didn't take it and I moved to New York, went to William Esper's uh, Meisner studio and studied with him for about a year. Three months after I moved to New York, I was in a Broadway show.
0: Good for you. That's so, impressive. Yes. Here we are. Yes. Here here we are. are. Yeah. This is one of the first topic issues that I've ever done and I think the topic is the whitewashing of theater and people not getting cast correctly. and. For me, that's also, I think, with the temperature of what's going on in the country. I have to, one thing for me today that is, is to accept that I have white privilege. But for the longest time, I didn't want to accept that because I didn't understand what it was. I thought it was an insult. I thought like, that meant that people said, you have white privilege, that I have like a, a, a tiki torch in my closet. And I think now realizing it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just a fact. It's just something that I have that I'm not aware of. I don't think about the fact that I'm white. I don't think about that I have more roles that are out there for me. I wanted to ask questions to get the other side of it now that I have ears that are willing to listen without being defensive. I was always like, well, how am I to blame? How am I involved? And I think it was because I wasn't listening. And I think I represent a vast majority of white people that we don't understand it because, and we might never, that was my intention of today. One
2: of the things that I'm, that I'm glad to hear you say, the person who's gonna call me a nigger to my face, that's like a whole other thing. To me, the person that I feel compelled to reach is the person who doesn't know, but doesn't know that they don't know. Yes. I grew up with a lot of those people. So what you have just said is, is that you don't know but you know now that you don't know exactly and that that's okay because you can't know okay right but it's important for you to know <laughs> that you don't know and that's a place to start from right so I commend you for that oh because well, thank to me, you that is though that's the baby step that I'm trying to like in a practical way get people to see
1: I think for me, growing up in Hawaii, I was part of the majority
2: because there were
1: more Asian people there than there are anything else, right? And so when I would go to see plays like at the community theater, they would cast the best people they could find, kind of regardless of what they looked like. One, because there just weren't that many people doing community theater, so they kind of had to take what they could get. But so I never had a viewpoint where I thought, oh, that's weird that the girl is Asian and the boy is white and her mother's black. You know, it never occurred to me. And coming from that perspective and then coming to the mainland for college and realizing that my innate worth and sense of equality did not necessarily scan with every other human on the planet was a very big thing for me Mm -hmm. like I naturally assume when I meet somebody that they're going to realize that I'm as much as not less than Do you know what I mean? I do. And I sort of feel like in the theater, in my personal interactions, I feel like that's been true. But sometimes as a performer, I sort of feel like, oh, you're put into a different category because you don't look like these other groups. It's like all the white people, all the black people, and then the Asian people, and then other, you know? And it's very like, oh, right, oh, right. I don't have, I'm not the average audience member. So that my sense of, I think I should be seen for all of these parts, right, I don't right, understand yeah. why, what? Right, and you know, right. it's like, oh right, no, you don't live in that world, you live in this world. So I think that was the biggest thing for me, certainly as a making a transition. And I talk a lot about the time I went to an audition for Oliver in Chicago and they looked at me and they were like, who are you gonna be? And I was like, I can play Oliver. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, that's your job. Yeah. Yeah. Not mine. But they were just like, oh, (laughs) there's no, you know, like, oh, no, there's no way. You know, that kind of thing. It's
2: interesting. We just found out of Charlie, because there was an anniversary of Raul Dahl, and found out that initially he wanted little Charlie Bucket to be black. His wife was telling the story. And then his press agent said, but why and he said because that's just how i see it there is no why yeah the press agent said no because people are going to want to know why and that really shook me because at the end of the day i feel like that is the basis for like casting people of color in shows There, there has to be a why right as opposed to well we just like this person and they happen to be this color it's like no we need the chef to be black and we need the neighbor to be Asian and we figured out reasons why and what we're gonna do with that writing but when it comes to just you know let's just hire some human beings so I thought that was interesting because that still is very much the question I just was talking to a friend the other day who had seen some show on Broadway and was like, when the one character was Jamaican, and I just kept thinking, why is she Jamaican? Why not? I was like, why are you asking that? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what do you mean, why is she Jamaican? Because they wanted to put a different representation in their story. But people still think. We just had that conversation a couple of days ago. People still think, well, why? Or what does that mean? I did Freaky Friday, the signature opposite Heidi. I was the fiancé. Lick and Steph. Oh, Lick and yeah, Steph. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, opposite Heidi Blick and Blaff. Um, so we had two little boys that were her sons, okay, her character's son. And I was Mike, the fiancé, who happens to be black. Well, one of the little boys had a little bit of a darker hue to his skin and this wild, crazy hair. And the other little boy was a white, blonde, blue-eyed kid. So when people would see the show with the darker kid with the wild, crazy hair, at the end of the show, they would be like, oh, oh, so they, they had a baby. That's why they had to get married. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not their child. There has to be a reason. Oh, that's why the fiance's black. And that's why she's marrying him. Because they have a mixed race child. That doesn't have anything to do with anything.
0: But when people saw the colors, yeah. that's what they decided. Well, do you think colorblind casting is effective and how does it work? Okay,
1: I would, I'm would. going to put Hamilton in the colorblind casting category just because that was a specific effort to cast people of color, kind of regardless of what color, right, into mm-hmm. all of these different historical figures. But it kind of didn't matter that, and I don't think it does anyway, that, you know, Jefferson is black and Eliza so, is Asian or anything like that.
2: Yeah. If I can add, the the thing that's so interesting about Hamilton and how people are using that as now kind of a place to jump off, is that the coloring up of those characters, because Lynn wrote a story about immigrants, mm. it improved the story. So it was not random. That doesn't mean, oh, because Hamilton did it, let's have Kim be black and Miss Saigon. Because Hamilton did it. But that's not, Hamilton did something extra. Yes. It, so by the inter, by intermission, you didn't go, oh, there's a black guy playing George Washington. You went, was George Washington black? You just saw George because Washington. it improved the story. Yes. It's the same thing as the rapping. It's like now I'm getting calls for some, all these musicals where they're adding rap. The reason why rap worked for Hamilton is because Hamilton was a wordsmith. His whole job was putting words and phrases together. So if he'd been a plumber, if this had been a story about a plumber, rap wouldn't have necessarily worked. No. So people take Hamilton as an example, but they don't really understand like the double brilliance of what he was doing. Mm. It wasn't just as simple as, Oh, let's just color this up. It, it it affected and improved the story. So that's I just wanted to No,
1: and I think that's a yeah. totally valid point. Yes. I mean And similarly, um, you would ask me what my next job is going to be. And I'm going to do a production of something that we did a reading of together. It's called The New World. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to play the chief of the Indians in The New World. And then there's going to be a group of pilgrims and our interactions. And then it culminates in the first Thanksgiving. Okay. Now, obviously, I am not a Native American. I know that they looked for Native Americans in the casting, but as far as I know, my part was never in contention because the part was pretty much written on me. And yet, I don't feel... I feel a little bit... I feel a little bit guilty about maybe taking away a part for a Native American, except that both groups, the Native Americans and the Pilgrims, are being cast colorblind so that the leader of the Pilgrims is black. I'm the leader of the Indians and I'm Asian. You know, his daughter is white. My son is black. I mean, there's... It's Mm. just based on who they thought was the right fit for the part. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, agonized over this because I don't want to take away a job from (laughs) another person of color. But on the other hand, I know that because of, of how we're doing it, I don't think it will be seen as that. And also, it's not based on, it's not a historical tale. It's based in complete... You know, bullshit. It's mm-hmm. musical comedy crazy. Right. It's nothing, it, There's nothing real about it. We're not pretending like it's Ashley, this is how it happened. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. There's, a t- there's a turkey who talks, you know, right. that kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm going to go with like, I feel better about it knowing that both sides are actors of color in both camps, that it's not West Side Story. Right, you right, know what right, I mean? Right. And I talked to George Takei about it too this summer because I know that he's very aware and, you know, active and he seemed to think that that was the right way to approach it, that if there was sort of a color blindness to the casting in Toto, that for whatever reason, they thought I would be the best fit for this part.
2: Well, you don't need to feel guilty because they wrote that part for you.
1: Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is, though, that, you know, you don't want to be in the position of, like, you took away a yeah, yeah, part yeah. from, you know. Well,
2: you've got creatives that are aware of that.
1: Right, no, of course.
2: And so they're sensitive right. to that. No, I know. It's also interesting, the idea of, like, the phrase colorblind casting. Very few things are colorblind. No. They're, they're color aware. I would agree. They might be non-traditionally cast. Oh. You know, when somebody decides that this part is going to be this color, even though it's not white, that's not colorblind casting. That's deciding that this person is going to be of this color. And th- I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Right. I'm just saying as we talk about these things, let's use the right the, the right group of words. Uh, it, it, from my experience, and I kept trying to get our press department to get on this, the, the truest example of colorblind casting that I have seen is School of Rock They just want kids Who can play those instruments And play those parts And they do not care There were days in that show Because of swings and understudies Where no parent and child Was the same race Excellent. And the audience did not care my son, I played uh, Zach's dad. My son was a fair-skinned, color skinned mixed-race child with crazy hair. So people kind of easily bought that he was my son. But one of his understudies was Korean, and one of his understudies was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid. And when I told him I loved him at the end of that show, the audience purred, regardless of the mm. color of the child. Now, to me, that is colorblind casting. And just like the Zach on the road is not of color because they found a white kid that they love mm. who's playing the part so you know sometimes people throw these terms around but think some things are non-traditional some things are color aware and then some things are colorblind about 10 years ago I had a director friend of mine who said oh we're doing this colorblind version of Jekyll and Hyde and my Lucy is black and I would love for you to be My Jekyll Hyde. And I was like, Oh, okay. And this was before like Norm had been Javert and so this was that seemed kind of like a big deal to people. And then she came back to me and she was like, Oh, sorry. He said that, you know, to believe that a that a black man was a doctor in London isn't believable, but you would believe that a black woman is a hooker. And this was them. Colorblind casting the show. Wow! No, she but, was mortified.
0: Oh, okay. It okay. was
2: the producer right. who came back and said, "No, no, no, no. We can have a black girl play Lucy uh, because she's a prostitute." Yeah. But what I'm just saying is, yeah, yeah. in that producer's mind, That's they good. were doing something
0: wonderful, right,
2: by allowing a black woman to play a whore.
0: Well, it seems like a lot of the roles that are written for people of color are like, oh, you get to play the maid or the funny next door neighbor, except when there are pieces that are about the culture, like Scottsboro Boys. Mm -hmm. When it is something that's all-inclusive, the roles aren't even that great. Do you think that a lot of that has to do with casting, the material that's out there? Because with School of Rock, that sounds like also the material is also great. It's written, so it's about to people, not the color of someone's but, skin. But you know,
2: I also, and I, and, I, and I, I hate to say this to my country, but there were British creatives, and they just have a different openness. I dare say, even an unawareness mm. that freed them up yeah. to do that. Kind of like when Anne was a little girl, seeing all these people on stage and going, "What's the big deal?" The Brits aren't caught up in all that. So, Angela yeah. Weber was like, I don't care. I just want kids who can play these instruments. Yeah, exactly. Whereas maybe an American producer might have brought in some more racial awareness that would have then, you know, not have turned out to be as
0: positive. Very interesting. Well, I got this conversation started because of uh, what I saw, what's happening at North Shore with the Vita. I know with things like Prince of Egypt and The Great Comet, this has been something that I've seen peripherally. I didn't want to get involved because also sometimes as a, as, a, as a white man you're just like, how does this really affect me? It doesn't or it does. So then I finally realized I want to ask questions. My question with that is when they made such a big deal about a person of color not being cast, but then also with when it's coming to Carousel or when it's coming to Joan of Arc, there are casting of people of color in roles that are traditionally white. My question was, and this is what you answered so uh, great, why is one considered more racist and the other is considered like groundbreaking and edgy and casting the person that's best for the role?
1: Well, in my experience, non-traditional casting means only one thing, that a person of color would take a part that is traditionally slated for a white actor. And it only goes one way. It does not, you cannot switch sides. You know, it's basically because for so many years, it's white has always been the default on the stage. There's been no problems with all-white casts doing shows, right? even if some of the people weren't white in them. Some of the characters weren't white in them. Mm. And non-traditional casting, I think, is sort of a way to address that imbalance, or to at least say, Okay, look, we're giving a chance to a person of color actor playing the part that's usually supposed to be white. That's all. That's a totally different thing from these specific shows have a lot of people of color and we should cast them so we should try to cast them a certain way, and if we can't, we're still going to do the show. That's a totally different thing. People being comfortable with a white king in *The King and I* right. or a white engineer or any of those kinds of roles that are specifically written. Well, actually, that's not true, because as you know, Yul Brynner was a white man playing the king of Siam, and he was brilliant. No one's going to say he's not brilliant, and no one's going to say that white people don't have the talent to play these parts. It's just that. Other actors also have the talent to play these right. parts. And because there are not so many parts available to them, don't take away the few that are sort of, you yeah, know. Yeah, that makes complete sense. The world is and different
0: from when Yul Brenner was the king. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's not
1: 1950 anymore. No. You know. In,
0: in some respects. <laughs> well, it is.
1: That's <laughs> true. So we seem to be going backwards on yep. the time continuum.
2: And Anne's and point about it doesn't go the other way. To me, it's like a bigger foundational issue. There's no such thing as reverse racism. Because racism by definition is systematic disenfranchisement of people based on the color of their skin. Okay? That didn't happen to white people. No. Now, white people can be treated unfairly. White people can be the victims of bigotry but white people cannot receive racism because white people were not systematically disenfranchised against. So that is why casting all white actors in a quote-unquote ethnic show harkens back to the disenfranchisement, whereas having Josh Henry be in Carousel is like moving forward and trying to be progressive. Absolutely. That is the difference. Who who is to decide? The best person never gets the job. Who is to decide (laughs) what the best, what the criterion is even for the best person? The director might decide that the way the person moves make them the best. The choreographer might decide that their height makes them the best person. And so to say, oh, well, just the best person, that's kind of cavalier because you, you, you pick the people that you wanted. And there's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, when it kind of comes, in my mind, when it comes to a lot of these race conversations, we just want people to have an understanding. Look, I get it. That Susie Smith doesn't want to kneel for the Star Spangled Banner. I get that. And I get that she sees that some kind of way. I just want her to understand why somebody else might feel it appropriate and very patriotic to kneel. Uh I'm not asking Susie Smith to kneel. Right. I just want you to understand or attempt to understand why somebody else might choose to kneel. And so I just think in a lot of these race conversations, there's just a lack of, of attempting to understand. And it's difficult, because like I said at the beginning, you will never know what it's like to walk around in my six foot one black body. No, You can't understand that. And so you'll never actually be able to have empathy, but you can have an attempt to have some sympathy.
0: Yes.
1: And also, the thing about North Shores, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, Actors have no control over who is cast. Actors have, you know, all we can do is put our best selves forward and hope that somebody sees us under our skin Mm. and says they're right for the part, okay? The thing about North Shore is I feel like in this day and age, coming so soon after a Broadway production that tried very hard to cast Latinx actors in the leads, that they would be surprised that anyone was like, why can't you look for more in the team? (laughs) Actors, they seemed shocked that people might expect an effort. Mm. And that's what really kind of makes me go, you guys live in the world. But then it's
0: also, the director was from the Broadway company. He had all the resources. It was the associate on the Broadway company.
1: I don't know what went down. I don't don't know who picks who. And it's ultimately... It yeah. doesn't matter. And I would never ask an actor, I would never take upon myself to say to an actor, you should not take that job. Right, yeah. You know, I just think that's really yeah,
3: yeah.
2: a
1: lot. How can I, as an actor that wants to be hired for my soul, not my skin or mm-hmm. my eyes, you know, say like, you shouldn't play that part. I've played lots of parts non-traditionally played lots of people who were supposed to be white or that was the yeah. breakdown, you know, but somebody saw something in me that was like, no, she's right for that part, mm-hmm. you know, so I wouldn't ever say to another actor, you shouldn't take that. Yeah. Well, no, right. that's crazy. But I would say to the creative team, you've got to be more aware that the president has already been set. To me, it's like, if it's been on Broadway, it president has been set. You should try to look for <laughs> it, right. you know, yeah, right. and then... It's like, yeah, in the same way that there was that kerfluffle about Dallas Summer Musicals, King and I, where they had cast a white actor mm-hmm. who I know and who I like very much as the king. And it was like, mm. <laughs> you know, like, really? In this day and age? Yeah. After so, you know, after a couple of productions of King and I where we had Asian kings?
3: Yeah.
1: It's like, you remember. And then when Jonathan Price, remember when Jonathan Price was cast as the engineer?
0: I remember that. Sure. Yeah.
1: And was like, well, we never looked at anybody else. It's Jonathan Price. It's like, yeah, he's great, but you could have seen some Asian actors. And obviously, they're out there, and we have the talent. Because ever since then, all we've ever had are Asian engineers. And they've
0: been phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so it isn't like he was the best one for the job. It's just that they didn't really look.
0: And I also know, like, in the Midwest, they've had issues with doing productions like King and I. There was one of In the Heights, where they're doing them to get the piece of theater done but choosing them in locations that there's no ethnic actors around there. So I know that, that Lynn even got involved with the In the Heights, that they weren't casting it Latin. Should theaters not pick shows that, like In the Heights or Flower Drum Song, where areas that there's not, they're not going to get the people to show up, it's going to have to go to white people, because that community theater is in, in the middle of Ohio.
1: You know, you're community theater. You're picking shows that you think your audience is going to want to see. Would you pick *In the Heights* if you didn't have any Latino right. actors available? Would you pick *Flower Drum Song*? Why? Yeah, there were billions of all-white shows, the mm-hmm. yeah, Which And I- that's part of the reason why the ethnic actors get so upset. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, and now you're trying to just. Take all the shows. Yeah, you have to do Dream Girls too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know what I mean. It's like, why?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's five thousand other
1: shows. And
2: you know, the truth is, I'm sure a lot of those folks who were doing that are good, decent, kind-hearted folks who think that they're what that they're doing they think is exposing their folks yes. to some different types of music absolutely work. and i applaud that Me so too. i do think it is a it is a little bit of a difficult situation when you start talking about communities that just don't i mean then that's the bigger that then that's a bigger conversation of like why are there communities of just all one person still <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, but i
1: but, mean also those aren't professional theaters yeah. we're, we're equity actors yeah
0: like, but some of them have like five or six contracts oh Oh, uh, the, well,
1: if you're talking about shows that have equity contracts, that's different. But I'm just, yeah. you know, if you're just talking about a regular old, you know, high school community theater production right, or right, something. Yeah. Right, oh, right. you know, everybody's, well, no, I haven't, but, you know, I've heard of an all, all white Miss Saigon. Oh, yeah. Done all in, white ragtime. You know, all in all high high once schools,
0: on this island. And you're like, well, that, no. I saw an all white once on this island with children. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as inappropriate as it was, I realized the material itself is so great. And I was exposed to it in a different way. In right? a different no. way. No. But no. also, no. you're seeing children. Right, right, right. So it's children telling a story. And, you
2: know, once on this island, the haves against the have-nots. But it's interesting. I want to know what you think of this. So (laughs) I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. So, you know, once on this island, that's our piece, our being black Of course. So when folks found out that the gods were cast a little bit of a different way, I I had a reaction. But what really, interestingly enough, kind of what you spoke about earlier, because the parts then went to people who are even more disenfranchised than black folks because black yeah. folks have about 5 or 6 shows Asians got about 2 and, and of course Leia is a goddess right and then oh boy Alex who got Asaka he's dealing with gender fluidity yeah there are less parts for him yeah. than there are for me as a black man i don't know michael arden very well but they're smart deliberate you know linenaires. they're smart aware people, and I thought, you know what, if they're going to take two of the parts and quote-unquote change them, they at least went to people who have even less opportunity than I do. Mm. And in some sick kind of a way, that made me feel okay about
1: it. I don't have a problem with that, (laughs) cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was thrilled. I know, I know, but I go to it like, I don't want Kim to be black in Miss Saigon. No, no, of course not.
1: It would be be ridiculous because the whole effing point of Miss Saigon... This American soldier is in a war. Oh, no, I know, am just away. saying. You know, that whole thing, if, if at any point Kim reads American, it's over. Right, right, Yeah. Right. You know what I or mean? Or even
2: like somebody's offered me the king, and the king and I before.
0: Oh, I'm sure they have. That's not what I want to see. Well, I have a question that comes to just semantics. There's the new term of people of color that's lumping everyone, everyone who's non-white into their own category. For, like, someone like me, when you're, like, once on this island, they still cast everyone as people of color because now it's a group. But then within that group, I feel like they're shoving you all together. Like, where do you guys stand with being a people of color as a group? Because you guys are not the same background. We're not the same thing. Right.
1: But as a group, I think that's, it's okay because I think we're all, we all want the same thing. Right. Which is representation. Right. You know? And to be seen for who we are, that's really it. Right. You know, the thing that's so great about Alan being in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that family could have been white. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, Obviously, they were in the book and the movie and all that stuff, but somebody went, no. It would be really cool if there was. Yeah, <laughs> To me, that's that's what we're looking for, This to look at somebody and go like, oh, it would be really cool. In the same way that when I was cast in Cinderella exactly. as a stepsister, nobody went, oh, she couldn't possibly be Harriet Harris's daughter, you know, whatever right. it is. Right. It's just that because the producer, Robin Goodman, knew me from Avenue Q, and she knows me as a person, she looked inside me and went, oh, of course, is a stepsister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. But that's, it's very rare for people to be able to see through this
2: part. Right? And it's and it's beautiful for people to see themselves on stage. That's mm. still yeah. a thing. It is yeah. still a it thing. It really still is a thing. I'll never forget when I saw Ricky Martin in Les Mis, and the audience was filled with young Latino girls who would have never gone to see Les Mis. Now, yeah. was their life changed because they saw Les Mis? I don't know. But the point is, I just thought, this is beautiful to me, that all these girls are now seeing their brother, their father, whoever, their husband, whatever. Yeah. I think that's important. I mean, I have, I have 18-year-old twin nephews, and so I'm very aware of representation. And kind of like Anne, I mean, I've, I've done four musicals that were movies, and in all four of them, I played people who were white in the movie. When does that decision get
0: made? Is it before the casting even starts? Is it made because you walk in the room and you open their eyes?
2: I think with Charlie, with Charlie it was already kind of predetermined, but with School of Rock it was not. They really just were like, okay, what can we do with him? So that's also been something that I've been aware of. And in a lot of those situations, in a few of them, I was one of the only adults of color in the whole process. Mm. And so there were some moments where even though that part of the story didn't necessarily have to do with me, I kind of just spoke up and said, I'm not trying to speak for all black people of the world, but <laughs> all black people of the world are going to feel like this about this. Okay. So you need to do X, Y, Z. And in, you know, 99.9% of those situations, people have been very grateful that I bothered to open my mouth. Because people only know what they know. When, when things are really going to change or when we got people behind the table, of color, writing the stories, directing the stories, mm. and that's not to negate the progress that we have made on the stage. That's when real progress will be will have been made. Because still, it's amazing to me how many times I'm in projects where there's no person of color on the creative team. Yeah. Or maybe one.
0: Yeah, because I remember the backlash with Scottsboro Boys, that it was written by white men, it was directed and choreographed by a white woman, and part of me was like, it, it's Neb, like. I mean, they took this great story, and people were like, they're white! Do you think there's a lack of people of color writing stuff? Is there a lack of producers believing in it and getting it out there? Because the opportunities aren't necessarily there either.
1: Well, of course. But then you look at something like K-pop, written by Asian people, <laughs> you know, directed by a white man, but you know, put up at ours, you know, through Ars Nova, willing to take a chance on, like, these new writers, and it's fantastic. Mm. You know, it's completely it's like it's the whole story about Koreans and Korean Americans and their conflict and what that's all about and this cultural thing. You know, K you know, like boy bands, K pop boy bands, yeah. you know. And you're like, This is great like it's so thrilling to see a story so fully realized with an all-Asian cast and go like, SEE?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's so shocking that producers, and look, I know at the end of the day it's about money. People will go see things if they see themselves on stage. Right. I know I have done national tours where I've been like, why are there no black people in the audience? And literally I was told, black people don't go see theater. Well then why is Tyler Perry a billionaire? Yeah. Guess what, kids? Black people go see theater. They get their nails did, their hair did, and they go to the theater. They just want to, we just want to see ourselves on stage. Yeah, It's not that we don't go. Yeah. I'm still shocked at like marketing missed opportunities yeah. on Broadway. And if people would know, and, and if people knew that their story was being represented on stage, they'd come and see it in droves, in busloads. That's still another aspect, the whole marketing. And in some instances, people just give up on reaching out to minorities, Hmm. because when you go walk into a Broadway house and you look at the audience, it's going to be mostly white folks. Right.
1: It's also because of the economics of Broadway, as we know. Ticket prices are very high, and culturally, it's white people who go to the theater. It's old white people that support the theater, Mm -hmm. you know. And who have the money to do it. And who have the money to do it, and who are reached through traditional advertising. And of course, I don't think that producers have necessarily figured out the how to reach the minority problem or whatever it is. You know, a lot of obviously um, ethnic shows have struggled. You know, Allegiance never found an audience. Flower Drum Song didn't last very long. You know, that sort of thing. But plenty of people going to see Miss Saigon. Yeah, doesn't seem to be a problem there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: and people like King and I. But so, but I love Allegiance. Well, I was shocked at Allegiance that this is, I'm embarrassed for it. That part of US history was not taught to me in school because I don't think Americans want to admit when they were wrong. So the fact that I learned a US history that we had concentration camps through a musical um, okay. was one, impressive and also embarrassing for myself. Well,
2: I don't, think the, I don't think the problem is necessarily white folks not coming to the theater. I feel like there isn't as much creative thinking outside of the box ways to reach other people who could fill those seats? Yeah. And would and if they knew, they would fill the seats. Yeah. There there are so
0: many examples of that. Yeah. Question for you, Anne. When it comes to just being Asian, that includes a lot of different races. It
1: certainly does. I'm Japanese American.
0: Japanese American. But so then, where does that lie when you're up, you're playing if, if someone is Asian, but then it's Filipino or if it's Chinese? I mean, hopefully they look for someone who's actually Asian, but do they try to say, this woman is Chinese, or do they say, we just want someone who's Asian?
1: Well, I think in a perfect world, they'd be able to find exactly what they wanted in terms of, it's a play about China, everybody should be Chinese! it's probably not gonna happen, sort of given the amount of actors that might be available at any given time. Yeah, They might have to settle for some Asians who aren't Chinese. Obviously, Miss Saigon is chock full of people who are not Vietnamese. But it's sort of like, we all sort of look close enough to each other that we can sort of pass as other things. You know, I've played Chinese, I know plenty of pe- you know, Chinese people play Japanese, whatever, it doesn't really matter to me. Right. And I don't think it matters to any of us, really, as long as it's somebody Asian. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think an awareness of like so then once you get into the room, it's important to understand, okay, well, you're Korean but you're playing a Chinese person. <gasps> and have the awareness to have that conversation and not just be lumped into one. Right. Into and also one thing.
1: You know, obviously if a play is set in a foreign country, then you're going to have to educate yourself about what the hell you're playing if that's right. not your own country, you yeah. know. But you would do that anyway. Right. For yeah. any play. Right. For anything. Yeah. So doesn't bother me, doesn't doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I feel like New York is lucky to have as many Asian actors as there are here, mm-hmm. frankly. But I would not say that the opportunities are so vast.
0: No. No. What is the percentage of the roles and experiences that you've had that the character is a person of color? Um, Is it the majority of your life that you're like, I am playing a black man as opposed to I'm playing a role? Most of the time you go in for stuff that has to do with that?
2: I would say most of the time, certainly the majority of the time, I'm being called in to play a black character Mm. or a character that they're going to cast black okay I found that in my TV world the things I have booked is when I've showed up and the audition and it was you and Anne when I show up and there's 10 other bald black guys with a goatee I feel like I get a little insecure oh well he's this or he's got that or when I don't have this but when I show up and it's a man and a woman and they're two different races than me I just go into the audition and I'm like oh well, I'm just gonna be me yeah and inevitably that's the TV work that I book so there are, there certainly have been opportunities where they're just looking for a person, and then if you get it, the person is, or if I got it, then the person is black. But sir, and yes, I've had the good old, you know, could you could you do that more black? Uh. And I had to stop a rehearsal and say, surely you're not suggesting that all black people do everything the same way. I think maybe what you mean is that you want this a little bit more urban. Is that what you mean? And it kind of got quiet, mm. and the director said, y- yeah, 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 that's what I. Mean. But in his mind, he just wanted it more black. Right. And this is like an educated, professional man who's been in the theater for a long time. Mm. So that's a real thing that happens. Oh, and I've seen the auditions that say the fiery Latina friend. Yes. Because that's what they are. Right. I will say what's interesting about Freaky Friday. So one of the things I really loved about that was that I was playing a, a, a fiance who happened to be black, and there was nothing in the script about me being black and for that was really like liberating to me and just I just thought it was beautiful and and I was talking to the writer about it Bridget from from LA and she was telling me that 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 it's great that there's nothing in the script about it but sometimes in order to protect that you have to put something into the script so when they do a call in Mississippi Uh for Freaky Friday because nothing says in the script, that Mike has to be black, well, then they can just be like, oh, well, we can just make everybody white. Right. So it was interesting to me. It was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. That I'm thinking this is so wonderful because there's nothing talking about it. But the fact that there was nothing in it to talk about my race could be a reason that a, a black guy down the road doesn't get it. So that idea was really, I was like, oh, I
1: never thought of that. Yeah. No, well, that makes perfect sense, actually. You know, I'm just trying to count on my many fingers I think two of the parts that I've played on Broadway two are race specific uh, in Butterfly and Christmas Eve and Avenue
0: Q which every as a show. side note you were brilliant <laughs> the you. only Avenue Q <laughs> now okay so
1: and every other show I don't think I've played specifically Asian I think I was just there because I was there yeah. Yeah. does that make sense yeah so in my in my world in my life I would say it's Two-thirds to, a th- or two-thirds to a third maybe yeah. about, you know, work that I get in of ter- uh, uh, being Asian. Because mm. when I go out for TV parts, it's either the doctor is Asian, and then I go in and there's a lot ton of black ladies there too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, great. You know? yeah, yeah. Or it's just sort of like, she's a secretary, she's a nurse, she's a blah. And you're like, okay, whatever. Like, flavor of the day doesn't right, really right. matter. But believe me, Linda, the stage manager, did not come... Linda, Asian, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. no, right. that was just, just based got on I got uh, that part. because I'm a cranky person, you know, but, that, <laughs> but that's all that was. Right.
0: Well, to talk a little bit, actually, about Avenue Q, the song Everybody's a Little Bit Racist is a brilliant song, but it's also funny and very true. Where do you think that creating that song, is racism something that should be made fun of? I think well, it
1: has to be, because if you don't address it, then you, it's like it's not there, and we know it's there. So if you can make a joke about it and point it up a little bit and make people laugh, that's the best possible yeah. outcome of it to me. Because I've gotten a lot of flack for being that character, for portraying that character because she has an accent, right. a very thick accent. Right. One would almost say stereotypical right. accent. And I say to those people, that's the point yeah. of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, She you... has to be like that right, because right. that's... A point in the show. If, you, if she doesn't speak like that, there's no reason to say everybody's everyone's yeah. a little bit racist. Yeah. There's no reason. You know, it's sort of like she's also the most educated character. She's also the voice of wisdom on the street. To me, those are all To me, I love Eve. I, I love her because she speaks the truth and and she sees the world very clearly and people have accents. <laughs> you know, right. sorry. Yeah. yeah. People have accents. I don't think it's I don't think it's offensive to have an accent. You know, I think it's possibly offensive in how that accent is right. used in a
2: show. Yeah. And it's it's interesting when you start to, to, to color things up. We were talking about Charlie and, and our presence as the Beauregard's being black, and you know, are we playing black people or people that happen to be black? Mm-hmm. And It's interesting, so Mike TV, okay, so that's the other American family yeah. that could be black. Well, the first thing she says, his mother is, Thank you for letting Mike take off his ankle monitor. So Mike TV's on house arrest. Yeah. So if they had made that couple black, and then she said that line, even though it came from all an honest place, that would have meant a whole different thing to a lot of people watching. You know, we're so sensitive about things that we have to be able to have fun about it, but we just have to be aware. And ultimately, in theater, we just have to be responsible for images that we put out. I was dealing with a project that initially, the person was white, and there was this whole story about them being a parole violator. And then they changed the story, and they cast a black person. But, but they didn't change the story. Mm. So now you got one of two black people who speak in the show, and one's a parole violator. I know that came out of an honest place, but we gotta be responsible for that. Yeah. There's, there's a different way to tell this part of the story. Because now that that person is black, then being a parole violator, it has a different weight. And so for the people who are like, oh, well, I don't see color, and back to everyone's a little bit racist. One of the things that I found, and not to generalize white folks, but I think a lot of people are prohibited from having some of these conversations about race, these racial moments, because they're afraid to be deemed a racist. Yes. There's so it. I will many. Take that. Yes. Yeah, there are so many white folks who like can't acknowledge a racist moment. That's why I think everybody's everybody's a little bit racist is so great. Because if we can just, okay, let's just start from there. We all have racism. We all get, now let's try to learn and fix it, as opposed to people who are trying to act like, well, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't see color. That person is so far gone and they don't even know it. But there are a lot of people like that. All these white cops that are killing unarmed black men, are they all racists? I have no idea. But did the fear of a large black man play into those unarmed men being killed? Absolutely. But a lot of people can't talk about that because that means then... That I think all the cops are racist. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm just talking about let's talk about these moments. There's, do you know that? Uh, dear white people, they they almost had a great moment where they mm. they showed this this instance. They had a, a black guy and a white guy at a party. There'd been some racial unrest on campus, but it was like a scene of harmony. Everybody was getting along. Some rap song comes on and the white guy starts singing it and he sings the N-word in the rap song. Well, the black guy and the black girl kind of, you know, (laughs) then they repeat the chorus. The white guy sings the N-word again. And the black guy says to his white buddy, hey, it makes me a little uncomfortable. Could you not say the N-word in that song? And the white guy goes, but I'm not a racist. And the girl says, nobody's calling you a racist. We just don't wanna hear that word. But it was too late. The white guy was like, I'm a racist and so everybody popped off and it just turned into this whole thing. That's why everybody's a little bit racist is important. Yeah. So we can start from there. It's okay. It's okay that you have certain fears when you're around certain people. We gotta acknowledge that and then we can grow from
3: that. Yeah. Talking
2: about it. But to act like, oh, I don't have that in me, that right. doesn't that doesn't help.
0: Well I do fear that when having talks like this and people talk about say things like your whiteness or your white privilege we're hearing, or me, you're a white supremacist. Like all of a sudden we're hearing these horrible things so I think that's why we're on the defensive because we are very aware of how our friends uh, who are people of color are treated. So when people accuse us of that, even just saying don't do that, we're like, I'm not a white supremacist, I I I, I don't have a hood and It becomes very uncomfortable because I think we try to live our lives, or I try to live my lives, open-minded, but we get lumped into a group that we deserve to be in because I am, at the end of the day, a white man that doesn't even realize the benefits I wake up with every day. Mm -hmm. So when we're called on it, we immediately can't acknowledge it.
2: That's interesting. I didn't know that that's what you hear when you hear white privilege, that you hear white supremacy.
0: Yes, because we don't hear that... We don't hear that it's just a a reality. We hear it's something in our head, it's associated with hate. As opposed to just the normality of it.
2: I've I've certainly read where people try to articulate that the idea of privilege because their life has been hard, because they they don't have money or or they lost a job,
0: they're like, I don't have any privilege. Right, but it's and not so, about the finances. Yeah, yeah. It's, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's about being but able to.
2: I, but I wasn't aware of the whole idea of like, that that meant. Well,
0: to... I think now, I think that's another question of mine is, is this awareness that's going on in theater or some of it not going on in theater, is it heightened now because of the state of the country? Are we talking about it now because we're seeing this type of racial tensions within our world? Is it because of this that the theater community is acting more? Or is it just, have you always been fighting for this? It just seems like there's there's not a coincidence that the world and the theater world is no doing
1: absolutely. This. I mean, I think this conversation happens within our communities, twenty four seven. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't go away. Yeah. There's never you know. It's not like we're all of a sudden getting more shows for yes. us. Yes. No, mm. you know, or more opportunities for us. Not really. I think it's how I think it's you know because the world is the world right now, where hatred is so free comes up so freely people have no problems painting swastikas on buildings and sending hate mail and whatever that you're just like really you know it's america didn't we fight against this several times yeah you know so i think that's part of it i think i do think people are more aware i do think all of the groups of the people of color are more aware of whatever small territory Mm -hmm. they have been allotted and want to protect it in terms of like Maybe Evita or West Side Story or whatever the hell it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, of course, of course it's because we have a heightened awareness now. Things seem dangerous now Mm -hmm. in a way that they didn't to me before. I feel like before we were just sort of going for a general picture of equality and now we're fighting for like our lives. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's scary. You know, and I don't. I don't blame white people for feeling that. You know, oh, now you're taking away jobs from us. I don't blame them for that. Although I think it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but, but that's a real fear, like that. Oh, of course, I it is. understand, I understand that, that it seems to a lot of white people as as disenfranchised people get more and more stuff and become more and more represented, that they look at that as it's less for them. But the problem is, life is not a pie. There's enough for everyone. It's not, oh, now that I've got a bigger piece, your piece is smaller. No, your piece is still huge. (laughs) I just got a little bit of a bigger piece. But I do understand, I mean, I think that's how we lost the election, is that some of those fears from white people Some of the liberal elites have been like, oh, whatever, people don't really think that. But those are real fears that make sense to those people because people only know what they know. So, I understand that. So, I try to come from a place of like, no, you're not stupid. This is a legit feeling that you have. Now, I want to offer a different perspective. Yes. And th- hopefully, that'll affect your feeling. Yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is people can just pop off so quickly. They just read a headline of something yeah. and all this fake news and just share it, and they don't even really know, you know, what's going on. And I think, I think that had a lot to do with the unfortunate Natasha Pierre and them. That's yeah. Them? Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. because when I was kind of I'm always slow to everything but when I was finally reading about everything about it I said well people only seem to be fixated on the fact that a black guy was replaced by a white star yeah that seems to be the only narrative but they're missing the first part that a white international star yeah was replaced by a black Broadway star to begin with so clearly Whatever this is about, and I don't claim to know, right. it ain't about race. But the other thing is, the argument of the disenfranchised black people isn't negated. This is just the wrong thing to talk about it on. Mm. And so I feel like it almost like gives us less credibility, because then folks are like, well, this, that's not what this was, and you know, clearly this is not racist. And, and I, I think it's correct. Yeah. I think that, but again, that goes to that social media pop-off. Yeah. I think that's where that came from. It was a social media pop off with some maybe misinformation or not complete information, and people have real hurt and anger about it. But in this case, they just used the wrong thing to express that because all anybody wanted to talk about was Mandy Patinkin taking this guy's job, and it's like, but he
1: didn't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Mandy knew. No, of course that was didn't. the situation. Yeah, yeah. and also. If I was the producer, I'd want to replace somebody with a star to get more butts in the yeah. seats. Yeah. You know, I understand that completely. But yeah, that particular show—that's. you're like, really, you're gonna, you're gonna put the race card on them? They had been casting it just so. I mean, it so, couldn't be more. Yeah. yeah. You don't
0: actually. Powerful. That's what's. Uh, and uh, the, the that fact that, that they took it. an
2: international star, yeah. who was white. Yeah. And replace them with a Broadway star of color. That's the opposite of racism. Yeah. yeah. They like took a chance. I mean, they're not stupid.
0: Right. You know?
2: And so it was like, no, this is not the place to talk about yeah. that.
0: And I feel like a lot of the times the people that are popping off on social media, they didn't all run out to go buy the tickets. They just posted something and producers still at the end of the day have to sell tickets but they have to have be sensitive to what they're saying and right, what their reasons are Right, right. you know because that's a great point of view that you know what I mean people didn't talk about
1: and also the producers and the writer I guess Dave Molloy had said you know it didn't even cross our mind that it would be a white guy replacing yeah. a black guy yeah you know and in that particular case I kind of have to go no of course not because one is a Star. One is a big star and one is not. That's just economics. Yeah. Yeah. To go the other way, in Cinderella, as you know, we had quite a few people playing the stepmother. Mm, Yes. You know, different races, whatever. And nobody said boo about any of that. And I don't think I'm breaking any rules by saying that I don't think anybody hired Nene Leakes for her singing ability. They hired her because she was a star. Right. Okay? That's it. If they felt she could put butts in the seats, that's why they hired her. I can't complain about that. I have a job, and I want to keep my job. If she's going to allow me to keep my job, Mm -hmm. then I'm playing ball. You know what I mean? Yes. To me, that's a whole different argument. Just that was just, just handled badly. And again, it's a thing of for the producers of just not being aware of what things might look like to the outside world. Mm-hmm. In the same way that North Shore, you know, right. not aware. Yeah, it's like, well, you better get aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. There, obviously, there was a way to spin that story where nobody would have said boo, mm-hmm. but it, they just did not do that. Right. Yeah, so.
0: What's well, interesting that I just realized is just the amount of times I've done a course line where they just change Connie Wong. They're just like, oh, yeah. it's just they just, it's in the script that she's. What do you mean Asian. they change her?
1: If they Co- can't find a short Asian girl, they just change it to a white girl.
0: It's Connie McKenzie They Connie have alternate. McKenzie.
1: They have alternate scripts, like names. Oh Everything. wow,
0: is
2: that approved by the? Oh estate? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I yep. didn't know that.
1: I was in a terrible production of chorus line once, a non-equity, very non-equity, very young, like right out of college, where Richie was played by a white guy. Oh, my gosh. Because so... we didn't have any black guys in the company. Right. It was like eight actors yeah. summer Summerstock, you know. No black guys, white guy playing Richie. It was the weirdest thing ever. But we did it. Yeah. yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah,
0: yeah. ever yeah, happy to see it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was like,
0: ooh. So if, if we wanted to start this change? I mean, where does it start? Does it start with casting directors, creators, the directors? I mean, who, if we could start nipping this in the bud, which it would never happen, but just trying to at least trim the bud. I can't think of a good analogy but right first,
1: now. Of <laughs> course. It, it always starts with a creative team. I mean, I know I've been brought in for a lot of projects that I knew I was not going to get the job because the casting director wanted to give me a shot and throw me in front of those people. Yeah. You know, things that I knew I was totally not appropriate for, mm-hmm. you know, so I think the casting directors are actually great allies and are mm. doing a really good job of that part of it. Because that's their job is to know people and to right. be able to bring people in. Yeah. It has to it has to sit with the producers and directors. And, because at and, the
2: same time you don't, oh, I just a real Southern. At the same time, <laughs> you don't want to feel like your time is being wasted. Correct. Yeah. And that's another thing sometimes when people are like, well, <laughs> nobody showed up, which I, I very rarely believe that. Uh-huh. But a lot of the times it's like because you're not going to cast a black girl as whatever, so they didn't come because yeah. they know. They'll throw a, f- a few of us in front of folks yeah. to just, and they, ooh, you're so talented. Okay, thanks. Yeah and now let's get these other people in here who were really considering. And I would say that that certainly happens a little bit less than it did 15, 20 years ago. So I, I think we definitely are making some progress. I think people people are woke more than ever. Yeah. And Even your, even like just your simple awareness of like, oh wait a minute, this privileged thing is what I have and it's not bad inherently. Right. I need to just start with accepting this and then there are more and more people who are coming to that because of conversations like this. But in my mind, you know, I really wish I really wish some of our stars would instead of doing a classic play, I wish some of our stars would go to Yale or Morehouse or somewhere and find some young mm. writer of color and put your star power on that person. Right. Instead of doing another whoever we might be doing I really wish that more of that would happen
1: you can just say it you can say Denzel
2: (laughs) you know what I mean
1: somebody who has the box office power to sell tickets Yeah. Denzel I don't care I don't care if you do Raisin in the Sun do not care yeah. Go find a new play. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because people will go see it. Yeah. And put that person on the map. Behind behind the behind the table is where yeah. you know. And people are aware, but then it's like, okay, well then Alan write something. I can't just say right. behind the table needs to change and then I don't do anything. Or I don't pull my resources together to try to make that happen in
0: whatever way I
2: can. So that's something that I'm like trying to do. Yeah. You
0: know, as opposed to just say it. Well, I think one of the reasons, too, that I think people like myself are wanting to raise more awareness is because we see what's going on in the country, but the theater has always been our safe haven of our own island of misfit toys where we're all together, we're all different. But now that's not the case anymore.
2: That boat's been rocked a little
0: bit. Yes. So I think that in order for us to get our our safe haven of like we're all together and we're all different – In this world we need to listen to each other
2: but I don't I don't I can't tell you how many white actors I've heard with just dissension in their heart say that they did some reading and then they got replaced by a person of color I mean y'all are like mad about that Uh, And, and I get yes that that happened to you Yes. so you have every right a job loss is a job Job loss right we all know what that feels like so let me be very clear right i'm not trying to say that you don't have the right to feel some kind of way about whatever investments you made in a project and you didn't move forward with it but the fact that a person of color got it over you
0: is not that's not the problem it was a project where they were like oh that track's going ethnic they made me know it had nothing to do with you Right, right and so that was a good thing for me it was the fact that they already decided that they weren't looking. For a, a black person or a person of color didn't walk in the room, and they were like, "He's the right person for it." Right, they right. just willy nilly were like, "This track, we need to be diverse," right. and it's becoming like it's the thing where I talk. But to that's people.
2: just it. See, it isn't willy nilly.
0: Yes, to me, it See, to, you, to us, it it's willy nilly. Yes, willy-nilly. yes.
2: But for me, in this one, it's like our life's blood. Yeah. It's it's the opposite of willy nilly. Yeah. It is necessary. Yeah. It is vital. And again, at the end of the day, all you have to do is look at the numbers of people in Broadway shows mm-hmm. by their color.
0: Yeah. Y'all had
2: got plenty of jobs. We do.
0: Completely agree. But I think some of the justification would be okay, if it's a show's at the turn of the century in New Hampshire, there wouldn't be I mean historically there wouldn't be a person of color. But so I can Yeah, see but
2: people wouldn't be singing their feelings either.
0: Right. But then, at the same time, so listen, would would they would I be able to be in the ensemble of Miss Saigon? I mean, or uh, yes, you fl- would. No, uh, Flower Drum right. Song. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> or like Color Purple. You know what I mean? Even though it was like it's the same thing. It doesn't go. But the it other isn't
2: way. the same. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. Now you it. know it doesn't, doesn't, go, doesn't the go, go the
0: other way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and what I, people and get. And I upset.
2: understand that it seems like to you it does go the other way. Right. Well, you you can't go be. You know, whoever in Dream Girls. Yeah. But the difference is everybody in Dream Girls for decades was not allowed to the party simply because of the color of their skin. Right. That's the difference.
0: And I agree. Yep. And it's a huge difference. Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Here's the real difference Dream Girls is a hit and it gets done a lot. Flower Drum song does not get done a lot. Yeah, yeah
0: that's true, too. You yeah. know,
1: when you've only got three shows, yeah, yeah. and one of them doesn't get done very much, yeah, yeah. it sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's Yeah, no, it's very true.
1: Think about me. I've never been in a Miss Saigon. I've never been in a King and I. Mm. It's like, what the hell have I been doing with yeah. my life?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, do, no. oftentimes, are you the token? Are you like, I'm, I, I'm the diversity in this company? Of
1: course. All the time. All the time? <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the time. <laughs> That's okay. I don't yeah. have a problem
0: with that. Yeah, I mean, do you feel, like, is there a different? I mean, how does that feel? I've only, twice have I been, like, the token, and it's very weird. One show I actually had to say the N-word, and it's, and it's very weird to... Were
1: you in feel- ragtime? Rag no, I, wish I was in ragtime.
0: <laughs> no, Baldwin Brown Sugar. Oh, okay, um, cool. And it is, I mean, it is very, very weird, but it was also, when you're in a situation like that, that the point is, is that you're the... The role is written because you're the token, right? But in some of your situations, it's you're just the token because you were the best one for it. Do you feel like walking in there, going, "I'm the one of these things, is not like the other"?
1: I don't care anymore. I don't really doesn't bother me.
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: I like it when there are other people Mm -hmm. of color around. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's something very special about those all, you know, Asian shows or all black shows where you feel like. The community, like yes. that you feel that you're surrounded by your people is right. yeah. very deep. Yeah. It, it's very moving and it's it's lovely because you're sharing this experience Yeah. with so many other people. We're, you're going to make your family in whatever show you're in. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. I,
2: I definitely have found myself in that situation where, like I say, sometimes I'm the only adult of color in the whole room. <laughs> mm. But I have, I have realized that, and not to be a martyr about it, but... I, I'm like, oh, I'm here because I'm going to be able to articulate to these people why this choice, this choice, and this choice are not the best choices. And nobody asks me, and I just offer it up. Well, here's what I do. If, I, if I, I take a night and sleep on it, and if it's still in my spirit the next day, then I will just offer it up. Mm. And like I said, 99.9% of the time, I mean, I've even done it for other cast members. Mm. They don't know that this is offensive so i went to the actress i said i'm gonna have to talk to them about this for you and she was like please say something and so i just went up and i said i just want to offer this is the way this is going to read to a whole other group of people
0: when you go to standing up for yourselves and i don't know if this question will come off wrong uh, but often as a woman standing up for yourself you can be considered a bitch or if you stand up for yourself you are labeled as an angry black man how do you have to get past that people are going to say that and still stand up for yourself?
1: Because that's who you are.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we're actors yeah. and we have to take on roles that maybe are a little more challenging, that are not to our liking sometimes. Right. Right. I remember this one example. This really has only happened one time in my life, but I was working at um, a little off-Broadway theater here in New York and it was a review. And one of the numbers involved a scene at a Chinese restaurant. Where they wanted the waiter, played by a white guy, to come out wearing a pigtail and a coolie hat, and a little Chinese coat, and I was like, he can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, and I'm sorry, I don't want to be the bad egg here, but no. <laughs> they were like, and they were like, well, we've always done it like this before, and I'm like, yeah, but it's now, it's in the two thousands, yeah. and. It'd be one thing it was eighteen ninety and we were working on the railroad, but people don't wear pigtails right. and coolie hats in New York City mm. getting Chinese food. Yeah. You right. know? And they were like, oh yeah. it's like, you can keep him in the coat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to just to say like yeah. it's yeah. his costume, you know, it's his waiter costume. Yeah. You can keep him in the That's coat. Enough. But no, no. Yeah. They were like Really puzzled because it had always played before, yeah. right. and I was like, mm. "I said, I feel really strongly about this. I was like, I, I will leave if this does not happen. Wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just because it, you know, I was just like, I can't be on stage in that right. situation. Sure. No, you know, sure <laughs> enough, gone. Yeah,
0: but I know, like in Millie and in Anything Goes, they have roles like that that are very stereotypical, and I've seen them and done them recently where." They do get a white man they put the stuff on him to darken his skin to make him look like Asians and it's very it's written but it's also in the text it's racist and offensive these roles because they're stereotypical. when they're updating shows do they just how do they need to change these?:
1: Well, they shouldn't be having white guys play those parts anyway. Yes that's really the problem yeah because if you just had an Asian actor playing them then okay maybe it's not the greatest part ever written maybe right. they're sure. outdated roles but at least the guy is Asian and you don't have to put pancake on him and draw big lines on his face you yeah. know that's yellowface yeah. that's yeah as offensive as minstrelsy right. yeah to me
2: absolutely yeah people respond to truth mm-hmm. even sometimes hard truths And so there's just a way to communicate to people. And also I think people know, I think speaking for both Ann and I, people know our hearts. Yes. So we're like, we're team players. We're not here to block this project. We're here to help this project be as great as it can be. There's a way to communicate that when I feel it stern in my spirit. And, And you know, you don't have to put a big Sambo smile on your face either. I mean, you can just look into somebody's eyes and say, hey, I just want you to know this is how this is being perceived and I just wanted I know nobody asked me but I just wanted to offer this and you know you also have to pick your battles yeah I think that's very important you also have to you have to also be aware when to when to have that conversation with somebody at 605 at the end of a 10 hour day at the studio on 42nd street that may not be the best time that (laughs) that that person is open to hear it yeah that's another thing that I've realized as of like 10 years ago you know I'm so focused on what I think I need to say to somebody there's also merit in realizing when they might be the most open to hear it I find early morning or, or the beginning of the day is a better time mm. to have a conversation like this or a lunch break but definitely not at the end of the day when people are tired and trying to get somewhere yeah but that's really important to be to, to be mindful of, of when the person might be the most able to receive it yeah, interesting
0: in having this conversation with people I know I had one experience that was interesting I wrote something about how I'm trying to be more empathetic and talking about my experiences as being a young gay man and bullying and stuff like that. And I received this email from this girl just saying that my gayness can never take away my whiteness and I should never ever try to use that as a way of being empathetic. And another girl who's talking about how she's always been overweight. And when in these discussions, people just sh- have shut us down just saying, you think that that's gonna help you, you're still white and still, it still doesn't come close. Those of us who are trying to understand it more and wanting to try to relate to it, what? how do we do it? Because it, sometimes I feel like when we're trying to say things, we're like, oh, maybe I can understand you. Sometimes we get shut down. Should we just hear it?
3: Well,
2: I think the reality is, is that it doesn't come close in the world, mm-hmm. but it does come close for you. I think that your reality and your feelings about bullying might be a gateway for you to have an idea of what it's like for people to be afraid of me. Mm -hmm. Those people mean well, and I do get what they're saying Mm -hmm. by saying, I'm not going to allow you to compare the two things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if that's all you know, then that's all you know. right, So I feel like that's one of those things where you got to take that and be like, okay, I get what they mean, but I'm really trying here. And so this is this is the closest thing I can come up with in my little mind, mm. because again, you can't ever actually know. No. But that's not your fault. That doesn't make you bad. You know, just the fact that you're trying, I think, is is what we all need to be do need to be doing is just trying.
1: You know, and I also think too that yes, of course, because we're talking about systemic racism, which is about how we look. Mm. How we present on the outside it has nothing to do with who we are inside, yeah. obviously. So when people say, like, well, you can't correlate, you know, gayness with, you know, this sort of thing. like, well, of course, because that's not something that shows on the outside. Right. Right? But it's a way for you. But I think it's a way for anybody, anybody who's ever felt discriminated against, disenfranchised, put into another group for something that is not your choice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That is a feeling that is right. similar, right. you know? And, you know, I don't know, I'm not a gay man, and I, I don't know if you guys feel like you are discriminated against in the theater, I can hardly imagine it myself.
0: Not in the theater, I don't, I don't think. Well, I, I mean, well, it depends. It but depends, you know, It is more of a safe haven than the real world. Of course. Which I think a lot of people at a young age thrive to be in the theater groups because it does feel safe. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean?
1: Because, we, like Alan says, we can only speak to our own experiences right. and who we are. I'm lucky in that my face and my stature is not threatening to anybody you know it's not helpful necessarily but it's not nobody looks at me and goes like I've got to be afraid of her Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean so that's a different thing they may make other assumptions about me you know how well I speak English and how quickly I can do math problems but not about that fear Fear is not a component of that
2: but you know people's feelings are real Yeah. yeah you know everybody's reality is real so what we gotta do is we gotta say, look, I know you feel that way, but I just wanna give you a different perspective. And maybe that'll change the way you feel.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, and I also, I wanna go back to this is that, I know that there are some white actors who've been resentful of people of color taking over tracks that were previously white mm-hmm. or whatever and saying, well, that person just isn't anywhere near as good as the first person. And I'm like, well, that's bad because I want the person of color to be five times better, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's not helping our cause if we're not any good,
3: mm.
1: you know? And I've always felt we'd have to be five times better just to get in the door. Oh, absolutely. Just mm. to, oh, absolutely. you know, be considered half the time. So, you know, I absolutely understand that kind of frustration, you know? And I don't think that's right. God forbid. I wouldn't want anybody who wasn't talented (laughs) to get, you know, to get a track that they don't deserve. Nobody wants that. I think we're just arguing for, you know, inclusion in a way that is not, it would be great if we never had to have this discussion again about like white shows, black shows, Asian shows, you know, whatever. But of course that's not reality. So we all feel and we all deserve a place at the table. But I think it's the respect, you know, that, that every single person has respect for the other groups and their right to be there. And yeah. the
2: idea that life is not a pie. Yes. Yeah. This pie and thing, this pie getting, chart thing is yeah, so bad. Me and Anne getting a role doesn't take away from all the opportunities that you still have.
0: Not at all.
2: It doesn't make your piece smaller. Your piece is huge. Yes. It just makes our piece a little bit bigger.
0: That's a huge takeaway. It's a huge takeaway.
2: I know that it can feel like that makes your piece smaller. But it, but in the grand scheme of things, it just doesn't.
0: Yeah. What do you think the fear is people wanting to have this conversation?
1: Well, I think it's because, of course, they're, they're worried that they're going to come off as being racist yeah. in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I sort of feel like if you're in the theater, how racist really are you? Mm. I just think that those of us who are in the theater are all about our common humanity and empathy because how else are we going to get into the skins of all these different characters that we're playing? Mm -hmm. If you can play a murderer, if you can play whatever, it's like, I think you can have the empathy to see about other people's race. I believe that. Mm -hmm. That's why we've always felt at home here. That's why we've come to the theater because of that sense of, you know, belonging. So I do understand that, I just feel like because of this quality that we have to to share and empathize with all these different people, that's what's going to save us in terms of being able to listen to each other and try to understand it. I, I just, I don't see any other way. And because we're actors, everything happens to us.
2: Mm-hmm. That's big with actors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So whatever happened, it happened to me. <laughs> So I think our work on stage and off stage is to get outside of ourselves. And I think that can just make a big difference and not just think that all this stuff is just happening to you or about you. It's just bigger than that. It always, It is always bigger than that.
0: Yeah. I was up for a role in production of Sunday in the Park that was at a Huntington. I didn't get it. I saw the show. And the guy who got it was a black man. My agent is a black man. And I ca- talked to him on the phone, and I just was like, oh, I could see they went a different way. I don't know what I said, but I hung up the phone. An hour later, I called him. I was like, did I just sound racist in what mm-hmm. I said to you? Kind of. And, and I was like, I was like, I know I didn't mean it. He's like, exactly. I know that's not how you meant it but I'm glad that you were aware of it. Cause it obviously didn't mean whatever I said. I was just like, I wasn't what they were looking for. And someone else who was talented, he also happened to be black. But for some way, the way I said it, I emphasized the second part more because who knows if that's what I really meant. And my agent laughed about it, but it is weird of having that like we don't know what we're saying and then because I think we've been allowed to say horrible stuff.
2: Right, and that's because job loss sucks. Yeah, no, that's that's universal. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine who's a close colleague. We were up for this commercial. He's white and I got the commercial. This was maybe a year ago and I ran into him and we talked and he was like, would you ever find out? I said, oh yeah, I got it. And he goes, oh, they decided to go ethnic. And I said, no, they just liked me the best. <laughs> and I happened to be ethnic. Yes. Now, I know that was a bit harsh for me to say to him and a little even haughty, but I needed him to check himself. Now, but what he was doing was protecting himself from not getting the job. Right. Which didn't have anything to do with me or the color of my skin. Yes. I know that yeah but underneath that I needed him to also realize we don't just get jobs because of the color of our skin right we get jobs because people decide that they like us and then we happen to be of
0: color but I think when we say stuff like that to protect us if we say oh my god his body was amazing and his biceps that's why he got it he was so much skinnier that's we say that and it's protecting us the same way when we say ethnic, it's considered racism. Regardless, we're just coming up with excuses of why yeah, we, we didn't get it. we just want to
2: feel good about not getting the gig. Right, yeah. Exactly. And that's real. Yeah. Totally. You know, we all do that. Yeah. Even, even that phrase, oh, they went in another direction. No, they didn't. They just <laughs> like somebody better than me. <laughs> Right. Because yeah, anybody's another direction. <laughs> right. Whether they look exactly like me or yeah. not.
0: So I understand that we need to protect ourselves. Semantics and what we say is very difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that sometimes the stuff I hear, the world's being given a license to say things that, and you're shocked to find out what other people really have been thinking mm. all these years.
2: And see, that's the one of the things that I think is good. Because the truth, this truth about what people really think and really feel about you, and me, yeah. I know it's hard to hear that, yeah, but it is. I really <laughs> believe the truth, I don't know any other way to say it, is going to set us off for yeah. I agree, I, I agree. really just, even though it's hard and difficult. Yeah.
1: Well, here's, I mean, I kind of want to uh, bring another topic up. Please. I think... It's different. I do I do think we're making progress because I think it's different for the young people. Oh, absolutely. For the young actors. Because, absolutely. for instance, remember when that Gilbert and Sullivan group on the east side did the Mikado in Yellow Face and there was a big stink about it? No. Yeah, this happened just two years ago, maybe yeah, something like ago. that. Basically what people objected to was that they had put on literally like yellow pancake makeup and, you know, drawn the eyes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This, to me, I was like... They, they always do that. That's normal. <laughs> like, I didn't even like, register for me. But for the younger actors, they were like, this is horrible, it's unacceptable, and right. blah, blah, blah. And they, hmm. you know, protested them, and they got them to remount that production. The next time they did it, they put some Asian people in there, and mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. took off all of that hoochie boo, and, you know, there wasn't so much kowtowing and... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> scraping
1: and bowing, and I'm like... Thank God!
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, just because I'm of a generation that that's pretty much par for the course, people. That's what yeah. people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's good. Just because that's the way it's always been. Yeah. Right. And I and I think about these other, you know, these other examples. But that's the thing about Evita at North Shore. It's like, it's not any different. It's the way it's always been. Right, right. Just cast whoever comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just the yeah. way it's always been. Right. But the thing is like shit is changing yeah, and we yeah. have to.
2: And folks are not settling for it. They're not. They're yeah. speaking out. They're, they're You know, they're, if
1: it's offensive to them, they're going to say something. Yeah. Which I just think is amazing. Yes.
2: Yeah. And and again, you do whatever you want, but just try to have some understanding. That people are gonna have a reaction to it. Yeah, that's what the older generation needs to, like, you know, tap yeah. into. As yeah. these younger kids are like, "Oh no, we about to pick at this." <laughs> you need to at least understand yeah. because their expectation is different. Yeah, you know, they they're coming up with a black president. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. So they just have a whole, that alone, that alone changes your whole world view. Mm -hmm. The fact that you had a black president for eight years who was arguably one of the coolest, smartest people you probably knew in your world. Yeah. No matter what color you are, that changes your whole view of the world.
0: It definitely does.
2: So there definitely is
0: hope. Yeah. So this is a little off topic, but for me, when I saw the Las Vegas shooter, and if I feel like if he was a person of color, he would have been labeled as a terrorist. But since he was a white man, he's considered a country-loving gunman. It just seems like that, that's horrible to me. Because I feel like if it was an Asian man or a Muslim, everyone else, they would have jumped on the terror. There's such a protection around the whites that it's so, it's infuriating. Why, why, I mean, why, I mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like what my question actually is. I mean, you obviously have been aware of that all the time. Why? I mean, why are people of color just immediately labeled at. The standing up for the gun violence against black men, even if it's taking a kneel, was looked at so bad when it's freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Protect the gun rights. Oh, it's the white man can do whatever he wants. I was like, they're fighting for the same thing. They're both gun violence. One is against black men, and one is pro-white men. I mean, it just gets to be infuriating. That is what's leading into I mean, to well, everything.
2: What What's what's interesting is that, uh, so I go, I go to Metro Baptist Church on 40th Street, and they just they basically were just so shook and were like, we just we just need to hear from some of our black members. Just tell us, we just want to listen. And one of the things I said to them was that like, I'm not infuriated, I'm not. Charlottesville didn't Charlottesville's my life. Y'all are in bed crying, calling out of work, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I appreciate that and right. I love that. But this is nothing new for me. I went to Robert E. Lee High School, where the Confederate flag was our high school flag until I was a sophomore. This is not new for mm. us. This is not a new awareness for us. This, yes. this happening with the shooter, this this is what happened. It's not even surprising or no. shocking or, or not even really infuriating to me. The What's way
1: infuriating to me is that we live in a country that does not value the lives of the victims. Mm. You know we live in a country that publicizes the shooters lots and lots of articles about what made them do this who how were they raised what do they think i was like i don't fucking care
3: yeah
1: what about the victims Mm -hmm. but i knew things weren't going to get any better if we didn't fix gun laws after newtown yeah Yeah. Yeah. to me that's like that's that was the most horrifying thing because they were children yeah in school. Right. Not even random children crossing the street. Right, right. Yeah. In school. You know, obviously it doesn't matter now. Human life is meaningless and people are just so up in arms about their guns or whatever the hell is going on that it doesn't matter. We're not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we yeah. we're not surprised. <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> say. About that. I don't
2: say that to make you feel bad. No, no, no. Just, no. It's yeah. It's just cuz I mean, I've had I've literally had a couple friends again from my church like One lady's like, I want to have conversations. And she's just all worked up. And I'm like, calm down. This is the way the world is. Nothing's new. Yeah. Nobody's surprised. Yeah, it's a little bit more in our faces. But you haven't seen what's been in my face. No, we haven't. So it's not. Yeah. Based on my experience with police officers, when I pass police officers, I don't make eye contact with them. Because I don't want to give them the opportunity to look at me some crazy way and then make me upset. So That's one of the active things that I do. Now, do I think all cops are bad? Absolutely not. But I think all bad cops are bad. Yeah. And I have lots of examples of that. Lots. My dad told me when I was 15 years old, my rights when I get stopped and that they have to have a reason. And these are conversations that black parents have to have that white parents just
0: don't have to have. No. I just you know. they just said don't drink the drive. On
2: the on the other on the other side of that, the one time I was stopped with a police officer, I basically had just gotten to the city, I had a car, I didn't have anybody's name or number. I think the, the key was left for me. It was a holiday, my phone had died, I just got to the city, I went on the highway and the car ran out of gas. So I had to flag down an officer. I had no proof that anything I was saying was true. But the police officer respected me and she said, I'm gonna have to pat you down. And I, mean, I said, I, I get that. She took me to the gas station, she got me a gallon of gas, brought me back, filled up the car. Now, I was so moved by that experience because that is the antithesis. I was literally, and this is before black men getting killed was a thing. Yeah. I was already a nervous wreck just because of my experiences before the world knew about all of this. Yeah. So I wrote a handwritten letter to her, precinct, just saying this is the type of police work I wish more officers did. And six months later, she emailed me and told me that my letter was the tipping point for her to get a promotion. So, I don't think all cops are bad. Right. But my experience, other than that, has been crazy. That's a whole other podcast.
3: Yes, it is. And so...
2: That's one of the things that I do. I I don't make eye contact with police officers. Now, if if one were to call my name or or try to get my attention, I I would give him that. Mm -hmm. But as far as just walking by Port Authority, by where I live and all those cops and all that stuff, I
0: don't have time for that. I guess what's interesting is when it comes to how we value ourselves, I don't necessarily like, oh, I'm this percentage, I'm a gay man or whatever. I just, I'm like, oh, I'm a good human. But my skin color and my... Ethnicity. I mean, I'm proud to be Irish, but that doesn't affect my skin color, isn't something that I think about. I'm like, oh, what part of who I am is I'm Asian or uh, I'm black. How much of your ethnicity, your identity?
2: Well, I tell people when people talk about the race card, every card in my deck is a race card. Mm. Because anything I do, I'm a black man doing it.
0: Right.
1: Pretty much. I mean, it's different. Again, I'm, you know, I'm Asian and a woman. I don't threaten anybody. And I'm short, and I'm obviously not in shape. So those are all things that like, are not threatening. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, but I very acutely, when things were going down around the election, I thought, what have I done? I've brought a child into the world that is half Asian and half Jewish. That's a lot. Yeah. You know, that's two ways he can mm-hmm. get attacked mm-hmm. and bullied. And I thought, I don't want to feel badly about that. Yeah. But I'm so acutely aware of it on a daily basis now. It's not funny. What percent of my race, I don't know. I don't know, because I don't really have control over it.
2: Mm. Because the reality is, it doesn't matter what percent we feel, it's the way the, the world. world sees us. Exactly. That's the reality. That's why I say, every card in my deck is black. Not because I'm playing the card, but because that's what the world is playing for me. Yes. Because anything I do, I'm a black man doing it. That's right. To you me, know. much
1: lesser extent. Yeah. But I
0: think also there's the stereotype of a fool, like Asian women is also very condescending, subservient, that what that that card that people see, and some of it is what the press has done, it, of like even in films and everything like that. That's also fighting that type of stereotype. And I guess a lot of the roles, too. The, the
1: Asian women roles are even worse in terms yeah. of diversity. You yeah. know, it's like mm. hooker. Right. Um, <laughs> or, you know, wife of the king. Right, right, right.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> you know, which are subservient type yeah. roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the plus side, there's Bloody Mary. Yeah. So not yeah. that she controls anything. <laughs> yeah. Not that she, but she has some power in her world. Right. And Christmas Eve. Well, of course. But I don't, I don't think of myself in those roles because I'm an actor, and I yes, you know that's not me. Yeah, that's not me.
2: I, I, I tell my friends, think of a show that's not an ethnic show where a person of color gets the last bow. I can't think of one. Exactly.
1: Well. <laughs> well, I was gonna say maybe like in Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, they they can I mean, I guess yeah. Jesus really would get the last yeah. bow, yeah. not Judas. Yeah. I mean, maybe
2: there maybe there is one. Right. But the point is, we all have paused. That's the point. Yeah. yeah.
1: We all were like,
2: no. Yeah.
0: Unless it's an ethnic show,
2: the lead character getting the bow is not going to be an ethnic person.
0: No. In some of my research, I found that a lot of the shows where there are ethnic actors, it has something to do with storyline. Right. It, it, it goes to back
2: to that Charlie to the why. Yes. Yeah.
0: Why is this? Why is this person
2: a person of color? Because the story is about X, Y, Z, as opposed to oh, this is a human who happens to be of color.
3: Mm.
1: You know, which is not to say that we don't get cast non-traditionally.
2: Right. You know, I was yeah. The two of us. You <laughs> we, know. Are, we are the ones that do. I right. was no,
1: like, I'm. Not, you know, I was in Mamma Mia at the Muni. Which is almost the whitest place on earth. But I love it. And I yeah. and I loved being in, in it. You know, I loved being there. And I was perfectly, you know, yeah. happy. But those parts aren't race specific. No. Which makes you go,
0: well then why aren't
1: all the Mama is right, like right. that?
0: Yeah. Right, right. Well, with Mama B, I thought it was interesting when I, I just saw it recently for the first time. And some of the kids in the ensemble were, there's a lot of mixed kids. And all of a sudden I was like, well, they should all be like that because it's, Greece, they, they should all look like young Greek teenagers, but that's not done like that. It's a bunch of hot white kids. And it's also funny, the audience, so
2: often the audience doesn't care. Why would they? I saw a production of Mamma Mia, and the Tanya who was white, went out at intermission, and the understudy was black. And she came back on in the top of the second act, and I literally heard the woman in front of me ask her husband, is something different? <laughs> This is what people don't... We can do it. Yeah. Because we're fierce and we can do it. Yeah. And people will come see it and
0: people... You still get the story told. Yeah. But it's like, it goes back to why. Yeah. Because the audiences, I think, we're more open-minded than we think. Yeah. A friend of mine was casting the Frozen in Disneyland and they cast a black Elsa. And there was a lot of controversy. What were the kids think? And someone said... The kids are just going to care that she sings the heck out of <laughs> Let It Go. They're not really caring everything else. But in that being said, we talked briefly about the Little Mermaid that's on tour right now, right, right, right. how everyone was up in arms, that it was an Asian aerial, and she's playing a fish.
1: Nobody's up in arms about it except the people who are up in arms about exactly. it. To me, I'm just like, the if people. you care about that, I, you have, there's no hope for you. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like, I, This is not even worth worthy of a discussion. Have you
2: seen that video on YouTube with with the little kids that are all of different races and they're good friends and they're like, tell us what's different about you. And they dress them the same, so they think they look exactly the same because they have the same clothes on. They're all mixed race pairs. And the kids are just looking at each other. And then one girl was like, well, she likes vegetables and I don't. (laughs) I go back to the hope. These kids now, who've known a black president, Yeah, they just don't see it the way we do. Huh. And I'm not trying to say that they don't see color. I'm just saying that they don't see that as a difference. Interesting. That's where,
0: when I need to find some hope, I watch that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, this is been uh, amazing, so we'll kind of wrap it up. Are there any questions, other things you want to bring up? I know this is a topic you guys have often. I'm
1: check my notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I, what can we say? We hope for better.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and, and like you, I mean, it really does take folks realizing that they don't know. Yeah. I really think that's what it is, and how that's okay that you don't know. It really is okay. That's the place to start from. Mm. Your your willingness to say you know what I just don't know and I'm never going to. That's
0: where I have to jump off and you mean educate myself and other people because I think people don't want to listen. And know? don't
2: be afraid of the whole the R word. Mm-hmm. Don't let a conversation of a racial moment or some racial discourse. Don't be afraid to have that conversation because then you're going to look like a racist because we all are a little bit racist. So just
0: have the conversation. I definitely will. To end this, if you could pick a show that normally you would not get cast in, what show would it be? Or part, or role?
1: This just goes back to dream casting, right?
0: Yes. I know for me, I would love to be in Bringing the Noise, Bring the Book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, just to tap like that, I, mean, I don't know if my body could do it anymore. But that's one of those shows where I was like, I wish I could be in that show.
2: The first thing I ever did in college before this was even a possibility of a career for me was the baker and Into the Woods. Ah. And I would love to do that again, a professional production of that. And it was even a little bit of a scandal then, not because I was black, but because I was this, you know, football player who should have clearly been a prince according to these people. (laughs) And he's not right for the baker, but not because I was black. Just because I was big and tall, and <laughs> so then when I realized that was a bit of a thing, I was like, "Oh, I'm doing this." I didn't even know what Into the Woods was. Mm. A friend of mine was like, "Audition. You'll be a prince. You'll have one song. It'll be great." <laughs> and then she gave me the Baker, and, I, and so anyway, I would love to
1: do that. That sounds dreamy. I always say Dolly. Ah. ah. Although I would also like to do Mama Rose. Ah. Oh, sure. Basically, all of those alto belted. Yeah, Angela yeah, yeah. very typey part. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's
0: let's make those happen. And well, thank you guys so much. I know yeah. you have a show and you're starting rehearsals, so thank you for this. And I hope that we raise awareness. Because yeah. I think admitting that you don't know is a good place to start. Thank you guys. Good for you. Yes, thank you. You're a little bit racist.
1: Well, you're a little bit too.
0: I guess we're both a little bit
1: racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Between me and you, I think everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Doesn't mean we go around committing hate crimes. Look around and you will find no one's really colorblind. Maybe it's a fact we all should face. Everyone makes judgments. Race. Now, not big judgments like who to hire or who to buy a newspaper from. No, no, just little judgments like thinking that Mexican busboys should learn to speak goddamn English. Right. Everyone's a little bit racist today. So everyone's a little bit racist, okay? Ethnic jokes might be uncouth, but you laugh because they're based on truth. All right, stop me if you've heard this one. Okay. All right, there's a plane going down, uh-huh. there's only one parachute, and there's a rabbi, a priest- And a black guy! Yeah! What you talking about, Kate?
0: Uh... You were telling a black joke. Well, sure, Gary, but lots of people tell black jokes. I don't. Well, of course you don't, you're black. But I bet you tell Pollock jokes, right? Well, sure I do. <laughs> Those stupid Pollocks. <laughs> now, don't you think that's a little racist? Well, damn. I guess you're right
1: a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. We're all a little bit
0: racist.
1: I think that I would have to agree with you. We're, we're glad, glad you, you do. do. It's that we're true. Everyone's a little bit racist. All right. all right. All right. All right. All right. Bigotry has never been exclusively white. If we all could just admit that we are racist a little bit, though we all know that it's wrong Maybe it would help us get along Oh Christ, do I feel good! Now there was a fine, upstanding black man <laughs> Who? Jesus Christ! But Gary, Jesus was white! No, Jesus was black! No, Jesus was white! No,
0: I'm pretty sure Jesus was black! Guys, guys! Jesus was Jewish! <laughs> hey guys,
2: what are you laughing about?
1: Racism! Cool! <laughs> hey, come back here! You'll take all these cyclopers!
2: What's that mean? Um, recyclables. <laughs> hey! Don't laugh at her! How many languages do you speak?
1: Oh, come off it, Brian! Everyone's a little bit racist.
2: I'm not! Oh no! Nope! Ha! How many Oriental wives
0: have you got? What, Brian? Brian, buddy, where you been? The term is Asian American. I know you
1: aren't no intending to be, but calling me Oriental offensive to me. I'm sorry, honey. I love you. And I love you. But you're racist too. Yeah. I know. The Jews have